You are Locked On Browns, your daily podcast covering the Cleveland Browns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hope everybody's holding strong here as it is now Monday, little more than 72 hours away from the 2020 NFL Draft. Cleveland Browns obviously holding pick number 10 overall in the first round. Uh, we'll start to get to some answers to these draft questions in a few days here. Um, for now, we're talk about what's going on here league-wise, draft rumor-wise, um, you know, Brown's plans for Thursday evening, and we'll conclude it with a mock draft, Monday mock draft, which we'll do through the Pro Football Network simulator. Uh, Kareem Hunt, obviously the tender is signed, so Kareem is in the fold. Um, as much as I would have liked the draft pick and the security of another running back for three to four seasons, Kareem does fit this offense, especially as in his receiving aspects. You look at the receiving aspects that Dalvin Cook brought to the Minnesota Vikings last year. There's one thing Kareem does hold over Nick Chubb. He's a better receiver. He's a better route runner. It doesn't necessarily mean that Nick won't get there. But for now, that is Kareem. That is his bread and butter. That is the one thing he holds over Nick Chubb. And this is going to be your way to rest Nick. This is going to be a way to get him off the field. Look, Kareem can still run the ball. He can run this outside zone as well. But he is just the better receiver. It gives you more opportunities when you, uh, obviously, you're going to feature two tight ends, two wide receivers. You have Kareem on the field. He's just the better receiver at this point. So Kareem does bring something. Um, uh, I wouldn't, I'm not going to say anybody's going to trade for him at this point. I think that ship has sailed, so to speak. So Kareem Hunt, obviously, in the fold for whatever the 2020 NFL season will bring. Uh, to Tay Davis, uh, obviously Tay Davis showed well later in the year last year on special teams. Uh, former New York Giant came over, you know, midway through the season around the same time that Porter Gustin and Brian Cox Jr. started to come into the fold, you know, once the injuries started to mount up. Um, three family members uh, tested positive uh, for COVID-19. Uh, Tay's going to now, you know, try and help the community here. Uh, but to his family, the family of Tay Davis, um, obviously there's got to be a lot to go through. Fingers crossed, saying prayers uh, for all the best for Tay Davis and his family members as they uh, get through this situation here. Um, we always get this every year from the NFL Combine. Obviously, some rumors leak, you know, with Mackay Becton. Part of the rumors were, um, you know, we're not sure how much faith we can have in the player because he likes to cook. So he likes to cook. Big deal, people. Big deal. Seriously, the man likes to cook. Uh, the bigger issue, obviously, a failed test for marijuana. Um, I believe this puts him in a 90-day hold here as far as, you know, he's going to be retested. They're going to check on Mackay Becton, see where he's at here. It's never the best time to test uh, test positive for marijuana at the NFL Combine. Obviously, you know the test is coming in advance, well in advance here. How is it going to affect in 2020 when there are new, looser rules on players and smoking marijuana? I'm not really too sure here. Is this going to cost Mackay Becton to slide? Um, could he just slide because of the fact that there's some questions and he's a little raw and pass pro to this point? So you have huge questions with Mackay Becton. To that point, I don't think he was ever the Browns' top target at left tackle. Uh, the question would be is if they do end up trading out of 10, and if it goes to 12 to the Raiders, or 13 possibly to the 49ers, or Denver at 15, or Atlanta at 16, and Mekhi Becton falls a little bit, and the Browns can accumulate some more picks, and Mekhi Becton maybe ends up in that range where you maybe had it slated for a Josh Jones or an Ezra Cleveland, names of that nature, that's going to be something to look out for. If Mekhi Becton slides and the Browns 
seem to be having a two-horse race at left tackle as far as what they preference at the top between Wirfs and Andrew Thomas. It's going to be interesting how that does play out. Can you get more picks and still get a guy like Mekhi Becton maybe a little bit later on due to the question marks from this? Uh, one of the funniest things that has gone on this entire draft process has been the, the Andrew Thomas, I guess, dislike or push down, so to speak. And now here we are the Monday before the draft, and whether it's a Peter King and all these big names, everybody's saying, you know, Andrew Thomas could go to as high as the Chargers at six, possibly the New York Giants at four. Um, look, it was never this way with Andrew Thomas. Uh, he, I don't want to say he's the consensus number one left tackle. I think he's the safest left tackle of this group. Obviously, you have questions with Mekhi Becton and his pass pro. Obviously, you have questions with Jedrick Wills because he's never played the left side, if that's your intention to do with Jedrick Wills. Uh, Tristan Wirfs, there are some out there that believe he'll be a better guard. I don't see it. I think he'll be a fine left tackle. Has you know some experience at left tackle, obviously more than Jedrick Wills does. But make no mistakes about it. Andrew Thomas was always the number one offensive tackle in this draft class. Nothing has changed here. Uh, speaking of the New York Giants, um, the lovely rumor today of you know Justin Herbert, and maybe there's some interest there, and the Giants have been doing their due diligence. Dave Gettleman has never traded down in a draft, ever. Has never done it. It's never been his MO. But here would be the question. With Detroit at three, and obviously they can entertain four Somebody to come up, most likely Miami to come up for the second quarterback of their choosing, whether it's Justin Herbert, uh, which seems to be more the consensus consensus now over Tua Tagliavola. Uh, Tua, I think the problem and people are going to have is going to be the medicals, that you're going to question what you don't know. You don't know. And if you were going to draft a quarterback, top three, top five, top ten, and it doesn't work out as a front office that may be it. That may be your one shot to solidify the quarterback position. If it doesn't work out, your bosses may go on and say, well, you missed on the most important position of all. We're going to get somebody else in here to try and take a stab at getting this right. So you have that question here at the quarterback spot. Look, the Giants are trying to, I guess, maybe smoke the Chargers into trading up. Um, you know, if the Dolphins are going to go to three to Detroit, that would only leave the Chargers in the top 10 to look for that third quarterback. The Giants aren't going to take a quarterback, so I don't know how you're really fooling the Giants there. Detroit, if they trade number three, drop to number five with Miami. I don't see Detroit taking a quarterback at five. So I don't necessarily know what the Giants' game plan is here and who they think they're fooling. And, you know, as far as leaking this out through reporters to have, you know, somebody trade up for Justin Herbert. If the Chargers want him at six, it's a really darn good possibility they can have him at six unless somebody's going to trade their, you know, a King's ransom to get in front of the Chargers if Justin Herbert is, in fact, their guy or Tua Tagliavola is, in fact, their guy. So, you know, Dave Gettleman, a man who's never traded down, trying to, you know, basically uh, create some smoke here, create some, you know, false, uh, you know, eyes here after he just one calendar year ago spent his, you know, basically namesake with the New York Giants on Daniel Jones. Uh, yeah, not believing that one. Uh, good try, Dave Gettleman. Good try. Uh, I, I would recommend sitting down and learning your Zoom to make sure you're ready to make that selection at number four overall on Thursday night. We're going to get to some more here. Browns-wise, we still got a mock draft coming from the Pro Football Network. All of this on your Monday, Locked on Browns.
Uh, folks, uh, as everybody's going through this, I, I know it's difficult, and I know patience is at the utmost, and I know there's times where people are getting stir-crazy and maybe getting a little, a little depressed. Um, reach out, uh, whether it's anybody, somebody you can talk to. This is where social media is good. You're not the only one going through it. Uh, just think of the greater good. You know, Try to think about what you want to get back to in your life, what you miss, and you know, just be as patient as you can so the sooner the better this country can get back to the normalcy that we all appreciate, we all love, and to this point, obviously, we really, really greatly miss. Browns-wise, obviously, there's been a lot of talk here, um, and the question's going to be, you know, where exactly do they feel the meat on the bone, so to speak, of this draft coincides with what they feel is the biggest needs for their own team? Now, we've gotten to a lot of discussions here at 10 overall. Obviously, offensive tackle is their most glaring need. Um, we've mentioned whether you know Tristan Wirfs and Andrew Thomas are probably their top two preferences. With an analytical regime, you look at Jedrick Wills, and with you're looking at it under the analytic lenses, how can I make the best decision possible? They've talked about the importance at the right tackle position. They've talked about the importance at the left tackle position equally. It doesn't seem like they value either one any more than the other, which is great. This is the way it should be in 2020 NFL, especially with the wide zone concept. You want to be able to do the same thing to both sides. So you look at a guy like Wills, and he's never played the left side. So if you're looking at this through trying to gather the most information to make the most informative decision, how can you just take a man to play left tackle who's never played it? For me, it just doesn't line up under an analytic lens. I just don't see how it works like that. Makai Becton, I'm not sure, and this is something we'll learn through this first draft with this Browns front office, is red flags. And look, for me, the cooking isn't a red flag. No, guys, cooking is not a red flag. The failed marijuana test, yes, that's a red flag because it's something he knew was coming and knew well, well in advance was coming. So you look at that, I, I don't know how they're going to weigh this. John Dorsey wanted to bat an eye at it. I'm not sure the analytic regime is going to look at that investment at 10 overall with this little bit of a red flag on him and say, you know what, we're in. It's good. Um, we'll find out. We'll see how this regime is going to view these type of players who have a little bit of off-field baggage. So that leaves us at 10. Now, say Andrew Thomas is gone. Say Tristan Wirfs is gone. Obviously, the pop popular scenario has been to trade down. Uh, the Browns have done their due diligence. They have met with almost every offensive tackle in this class in some way, shape, or another. They've not hidden the fact that they want to address the left tackle position. Josh Jones, their scouting staff, followed him the entire fall. They saw more Houston football than probably some of the video guys in the Houston football, in the uh, University of Houston football department. That's how much they scouted Josh Jones. How much is this new front office going to value the word of the scouts? John Dorsey didn't really cha change the scouts that much. So the scouts that are here, Andrew Berry's familiar with a lot of them. So it's not to say that Andrew may not value their opinion here. Obviously, the hot name coming on here of late, and you heard this from Dane Brugler a little while ago on this show, was their infatuation with Ezra Cleveland. The athleticism they are absolutely in love with. Um, does he need some finishing? Yes. Um, there's a term you use with offensive linemen, which is called looking for work, which means maybe you finished your assignment, and that's great, but what the play is still going on. What do you do from there? That's some work that you need with an Ezra Cleveland. Finishing the blocks overall getting himself centered 
So when he does, you know, initiate these blocks, he's hitting with full force. You have an offensive line coach here in Bill Callahan. This is what you hired a man for of these capabilities. So yes, I do believe Ezra Cleveland is certainly in play. You talk any one of these trade scenarios that I mentioned earlier, whether it's Vegas with two picks at 12 and 19. Uh, you know, obviously San Francisco's got 13 and 31. Uh, you also look at... Um, the Eagles may be jumping up from 21 for a wide receiver. Uh, the Jets certainly could maybe have to jump up a spot if they truly want the receiver themselves from 11 to 10. Then there's the Broncos who are you know, rumored and basically stated to be in love with Henry Ruggs to be that pairing to go with Cortland Sutton and match their big arm second-year quarterback in Drew Locke. you got the Falcons who are looking to trade up, <coughs> obviously looking to address their defensive line help. <coughs> There's one here where some people are starting to still bring this up. Whether she stay at 10 and you draft an Isaiah Simmons or you go after a defensive tackle like Derek Brown or Javon Kinlaw. Look, I, I've mentioned before, I love Isaiah Simmons, the player. I, I do. I truly do. I just do not believe this regime values the linebacker position all that high. Obviously, i.e. letting a Christian Kirksey walk, letting a Joe Schobert walk. It shows that maybe these aren't you know, a position where you're willing to spend a ton of money on. Now, you look at the two defensive tackles here. Yes, Kinlaw, interesting player. Derek Brown, beast. But here is the question you get into. You have Larry Ogunjobi. You do have, My you do have Sheldon Richardson. You also just signed Andrew Billings. So are you going to spend a first-round pick on a defensive tackle who is probably not going to be a starter? So you look at this left tackle, defensive tackle, and you look at that grid from Paul P. Podesta years ago about you know roster management and how you build it and what you pay for and what you chase. Left tackle, pass rushers, quarterback, guys who cover. All of that is greatly more important from what that you know manifesto from Paul D. Podesta, so to speak, that over defensive tackle. It's not that these guys aren't play, uh, good enough players. It's not that a Derek Brown or a Javon Kinlaw warrant a selection that high. Question would be, you they're not going to be immediate starters for you. So what exactly did you just spend that pick on and you still have a big old hole at left tackle? Uh, as we get closer and closer to Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday, with the 2020 NFL Draft, the questions are starting to become more at position of need. Now, we all agree some linebacker help is going to be needed. We all agree you're going to need probably need a defensive tackle somewhere. If you can get another edge rusher in here, yes, that's going to be great. We know what's going to happen most likely in the first round here. Two I'm coming back to more and more, the wide receiver position. Look, we don't know when Jarvis Landry is going to be ready. The rumors are Odell is pretty much ready to go down now. Obviously, that nobody knows what now means. We don't know when an OTA is. We're not sure if camp is going to start on time, any of that type of stuff here. But you look at this with a new regime and a new coaching staff here, they're going to want some sort of wide receiver of their choosing. Somebody they feel that fits their mo uh, mold, runs the routes that they feel are huge and important to the offensive scheme that they are running, whether it's a Devin DuVernay, who Pete loves. Um, obviously, you guys know me. I'm a huge Tyler Johnson out of Minnesota guy. But the list goes on and on. You know, Michael Pittman Jr. obviously may end up, you know, if it's 41 maybe, a guy that fits here. His vertical ability, opening up things underneath for these tight ends, for Jarvis, for Odell, it's a possibility there. But I am highly expecting 
whether it's pick 41, whether it's pick 74, or whether it's pick 97, that a wide receiver is going to be added somewhere in that day two mix. Cornerback is another one I'm coming around on that I think is higher on their list than most folks believe. They don't know what they have yet in Greedy Williams. Obviously, they have no attachment as a coaching staff or a front office to Greedy Williams, the player. Not a knock on Greedy. This is just the way this business works. Greedy, you're going to need a big bounce back year from him. If you draft a cornerback at 41, 74, 97, or 115, and he comes in and he's a player too, that's all the more better. That's what this defensive game plan is going to be. It's going to be good defensive line and pass rush. It's going to be coverage everywhere. I think cornerback is a higher up on the need than some people believe it is. It's not just going to be you know saying you took one for the sake of taking one with the six round pick 184 or you know 244 187 244 whatever it is on sixth and seventh round. I think they have a lot of eyes towards a cornerback position in this class, and I think that's going to happen. Uh, linebackers, we've gone over the names. I've fallen in love with Logan Wilson from Wyoming. You just look at the production. Um, you know, 409 tackles over four years, uh, obviously interceptions, forced fumbles, fumble recovery, sacks. He kind of does everything from the linebacker position. And as uh, NFL, uh, NFL and NFL draft writer Justice McKay started to talk a little bit about yesterday is you could do more with him than just linebacker stuff. Um, he went to Wyoming as a cornerback, obviously put on the good weight, ended up being a linebacker, didn't lose a ton of his athleticism, ran a faster 40 than a couple cornerbacks did in Andy. So you can use Logan Wilson in some defensive back short coverage, you know, covering the flats, whether it's chasing a back out, you know, a wide receiver, you know, on short routes or whatever. Logan Wilson is something that's going to fit in the modern day 2020 NFL defense where you have great athletes who can cover, who can chase, who can tackle. Logan Wilson for me is is a guy I think this franchise really really needs to go ahead and select somewhere again. He's going to be one of those guys in the 41, 74, 97 range, uh, a player I do think that they're going to be highly, highly invested in. We're going to get to a little bit more here on Locked On Browns on your Monday edition. As we continue to roll on through here, we've talked about, obviously, Browns notes. Uh, we've talked about draft notes. Obviously, we just did a nice here full uh, recap here on what the Browns are looking at at this point here. We're going to get to a mock draft from the Pro Football Network here in a second. Zabo Apparel. Uh, they are a family-owned business. These small businesses, these are the ones that are suffering. If you've seen any of the news here, it seems these uh, you know government bailouts uh, were a crock and a lie to the small business owners. Um, when you have Shake Shack willing to give back the money, Ruth Chris Steakhouse, nobody over there is really extremely hurting for money right now. Um, but these small family-owned businesses, these are the ones with the issues. Zabo Apparel, Brian and his family do a fantastic job. S-Z-A-B-O, ZaboApparel.com. Right now, you order, they'll ship it for free. Use the promo code FREESHIP, all caps, no space, F-R-E-E-S-H-I-P, free ship as the promo code to get free shipping. Uh, the best of Brian and his family here. You need Browns gear. Zabo Apparel is the one to hook you up. Check him out on Twitter. Check him out on Instagram at ZaboApparel.com. Like I said, we are going to roll through here, and we will do our final Monday mock draft here. Uh, maybe we'll sneak another one in the week, but this will certainly be our final Monday one as we select the Cleveland Browns on the Pro Football Network Draft Simulator. Seven rounds. Uh, we'll do the speed it fast as always. Who needs to go slow? And we will start 
our simulation to this point. So here we are. How is the picks gone to this point? One overall, Joe Burrow. Two, Chase Young. Isaiah Simmons, interesting, to the Detroit Lions at three. Tristan Wirfs, four to the Giants. Andrew Thomas to the Miami Dolphins. Don't sleep on the Dolphins here as far as being a contender for an offensive tackle. If there's a tackle they absolutely love and they can possibly get him at five and then maneuver a bunch of their draft capital, and it is an abundant amount. If Tua starts falling, they can maybe trade back up and go ahead and address Tua there. If there's an offensive tackle they are in love with and he's there at five, it's a good possibility the Miami Dolphins may just go ahead and pull the trigger. This one here, Jeffrey Akuda to the Chargers at six. Derek Brown, seven overall to the Carolina Panthers. Eight overall, C.D. Lamb goes back to his running roommate, Kyler Murray, which also brings up one other thing here. Wonderlick, guys, I, I don't think anybody cares a drop anymore. Kyle, you know, two of they said, I got a 13. Oh, no, oh, no. Kyler Murray got a 13 on his Wonderlick last year. He went number one overall. C.D. Lamb at eight here to the Cardinals, going back to his running mate, Kyler Murray. We've talked about this. A lot of people think in stone the Arizona Cardinals are just going to go ahead and draft an offensive tackle. I look at that defense, and that's the question I have. There's not much on that defensive line outside of Chandler Jones. Buda Baker is a fantastic player. You need more on that defense if you're the Arizona Cardinals. It's just not enough. If they go tackle at 8, I'll personally be surprised because I think they're doing their defense a disservice when you're going to have to deal with the likes of the Seattle Seahawks and the San Francisco 49ers. Four times a year, you're going to need more on defense for those games. Number nine, Javon Kinlaw, South Carolina, went to the Jacksonville Jaguars. So there you have it with now the Browns at 10 overall. What does it leave here? We're not going to do a trade this time. It's just you know too much and, and too much to put into a show here. Still available to attack Leavola, no interest, obviously. Justin Herbert, no interest. Jerry Judy, CJ Henderson. Now here comes the question. Makai Becton, still available at 10 overall. Jedrick Wills, still available. Uh, he's number 15th uh, overall player on the Pro Football Network board. This would probably line up, if we were going to do it this way, into a trade. Uh, you know, two tackles are here. You have teams looking to come get one. Um, you know, the Jets, obviously, still have Henry Ruggs, which seems to be the wild card here for teams like Denver and maybe even the Las Vegas Raiders to trade up and come get that. So those are names that are available here. For me, I'm going to go and whether it was Joe Thomas yesterday, whether it was Peter King today. Uh, Jedrick Wills will take at 10 overall here. Like I said, I don't think he fits what the Browns essentially want to do, but usually where there is smoke, there is fire. Um, and like we said, the Browns have been interested in everybody, so it's truly hard to gauge at the offensive tackle position they're interested, obviously. So it's truly hard to gauge what they would do after Thomas Wirfs, because it's Thomas and Wirfs. It seems like they've done their homework on everybody. Jedrick Wills, 10 overall to your Cleveland Browns. Now this takes us to 41 overall here. Um, obviously we've talked about the safety position, the cornerback position, wide receiver, defensive tackle, pass rush here. Best available on the Pro Football Network board. KJ Hamler. I, I don't see KJ Hamler fitting this offense. Plus, I'm just not a huge fan of the size. I understand he's just a you know, blow the top off of the defense type of guy. Um, he holds his weight and strength a little bit better than you would just think by looking at the appearance of him. Jeremy Chin here, safety out of Southern Illinois. Jalen Johnson out of Utah. I'm becoming a real popular name as we go further on here. 
a couple of DNs and Marlon Davidson, Terrell Lewis, neither one of them truly moved the, the needle for me. Uh, Noah Agmenho out of Auburn at corner, very interesting uh, player. Ross Blackblock out of TCU. I've talked to a ton of people with some Browns connections, and I've heard that Jeremy Chin is a huge, huge player on their board. They're a big, big fan of Jeremy Chin. So to get him here with the athletic profile, obviously he can play, you know, obviously uh, he can play back. He's not going to be your traditional free safety. He plays well moving forward. He does play well enough moving backwards that you could play him at free if you wanted to. But I think this is going to be another guy you're going to pair into the Sendejo pairing, into the Carl Joseph pairing, and even Sheldrick Redwine here, where all these guys are kind of versatile. You can do what you want with them. So with that, we will go ahead and take Jeremy Chin at 40 overall. No, I'm sorry, number 41 overall. We scroll on down. This will take us to the 74 pick. So obviously we've gotten our safety out of the way. We've gotten our offensive tackle out of the play out of the way. You're getting some odd names falling here. J.K. Dobbins still available. LaVisca Chanel. I'm just not a big fan of Chanel. I think there's still work to be done as a wide receiver. We're going to go and we're going to look at our defensive tackle position. Justin Matabique is available. Jason Strobridge. Strobridge is a player I like. Just a little bit old for my likings. Linebacker position. Logan Wilson here. Still available. Malik Harrison here. Still available. Willie Gay, still available. I've gone on and on about how much I appreciate the game of Logan Wilson. So I'm going to go in here at pick 74, and I am going to get my guy in Logan Wilson. I think he will end up becoming the best linebacker on this team in a short amount of time. But Logan Wilson and hopefully the growth of a player like Mac Wilson, I like that as a linebacker pairing. This will now take us down to pick 97. And obviously some of these positional groups are starting to dry up here a little bit. We look at the end, whether it's Khalid Kareem, Alex Highsmith getting a little dry there. Defensive tackle, Rashard Lawrence, Lakaifa 2, Darian Daniels out of Nebraska. Go to the cornerback spot. Damon Arnett out of Ohio State, older player here. Um, so I am going to go ahead and I am going to go to the DN position. And I'm going to take Alex... Highsmith out of Charlotte. Um, what I like about Alex Highsmith is, yes, he's raw, but he's good. He's really good at what he does to this point. First step is lethal. He turns that corner. He turns it well. Some time with Miles, some time with a veteran like Olivier Vernon and even Sheldon Richardson, who spent plenty of time at edge. Time to pick their brain. One year where it's just going to be a speed rusher. Some time to develop your game. And then you'll know whether or not going into year two, whether or not you have a full-time starter or a rotational guy. But Alex Highsmith out of Charlotte, I will gladly take him with that selection. Now we get to pick... 115, and I've talked about this cornerback position, and we're going to go back to a name I've mentioned many, many a time. Amik Robertson had a Louisiana Tech. The athleticism appears to have checked out. He was able to do some work here at a you know, simulated pro day, but you just want that attitude. You want that feistiness. The guy that says, look, you may beat me, but you better come back next down and be ready to go, and you better tighten up that chin strap and put your mouthpiece in, because I am not going away. Amik Robinson Cornerback from Louisiana Tech is just a dog in this draft class. Obviously, no fifth-round selection here, so we're going to cruise on through, and this is going to be a little bit here as we get to the sixth round. I'd still like to add some sort of defensive tackle here. We still kind of got to look at the wide receiver position. I look at the defensive tackle position here. There's some names here, and there, there's some good ones here. We're going to peek over to wide receiver. 
And this is the tricky part with the wide receiver class. There are names you can get late in this wide receiver class. And I still think some of them are going to fall there. So I'm going to go back to defense. I'm going to go to the defensive tackle position. And I see McTelvin uh, Agam, defensive tackle out of Arkansas. The guy can play. And he's not really the run stuffer. He's more of a pass rusher. So you'll have your billing Sheldon Richardson on first down. Tagum can come in. Uh, Agam can come in and play in some nickel, in some dime early as a pass rushing defensive tackle as he gets his feet wet and gets himself more comfortable in the run game. McTelvin Agam, defensive tackle, Arkansas, with the sixth round selection for your Cleveland Browns. The way this board worked, the wide receiver class never really fell to us. But this is the interesting thing with the wide receiver class. It's it's deep, and there are guys all around. So it's really, really difficult to figure out how to essentially, exactly stack these names. So I look it over, and I keep looking here. And there is a sleeper guy out of Rhode Island, um, Aaron Parker. I know a lot of guys are in love with him. He's not the fastest guy in the world. He's NFL build ready. He is a yards after catch type of guy. Aaron Parker, University of Rhode Island with the seventh round selection here for your Cleveland Browns. Again, thank you to the folks over the Pro Football Network and everybody for these draft simulators, making the job a lot easier here for podcasters like myself here to get the job done day in, day out for everybody. Like I said, more than 72 hours away from round one of the 2020 NFL Draft. Everybody, as we're staying in and doing our best to stay safe, and you know, uh, you know, kids now everybody's pretty much off the of spring break. Kids back to their home routine of school at home. Um, right now in this house, there are five laptops going with people working, kids doing their schoolwork. Uh, so a lot going on here. Uh, again, everybody, uh, you know, thinking about you, praying for you all. Everybody, stay safe, stay smart, stay clean, and uh, yeah, um, it's it, it, it's okay to want to be excited about the NFL draft. It's okay to want some sort of sports in your life. If anybody didn't check out, you know, Last Dance, the Michael Jordan documentary, Chicago Bull documentary, that was great. Um, you know, for us who are sports fans and, and diehard sports fans, this is a daily part of our lives. This is the way sports work. It's not just a once-a-week thing with football. Football's a week-long business now. Baseball's an everyday business. NBA, NHL, almost a daily business with games and news. We miss it. And it's, it's, it's okay to miss things that you truly love here. With that, this has been your daily delivery of all things Dog Pound. LGB on the LOB. Let's go Browns.